to the MSEC podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition. My name is Susan Sellers, and I will be your host for today. Joining me are Tyler, a military-connected teen, and his dad to discuss how they navigated the process of applying to ROTC and service academy programs. Tyler, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, Susan, good morning. And Dad, I really appreciate you joining us as well. Uh, no problem. Glad to be here. I'd love to start with Tyler first, if that's okay. So, Tyler, as we shared in the intro, you explored uh, different programs from ROTC to a service academy. I'd like to hear what you found appealing about applying to the service academy. Yeah, so, I mean, I think there was a, a few things that I really liked about the service academy in particular. In comparison to ROTC, so West Point was the school I applied to. Um, I, I think there's a certain amount of prestige that comes with West Point. You know, there's a lot of generals and a lot of leaders that have led this country that have come out of West Point, and I, so I think that West Point kind of carries this name brand with it a little bit. The financial piece also is really appealing. So it's completely free. They pay for everything, um, and they give you a little stipend on top of it. So especially if finances are something that's really important, it's really a great option. And then in comparison to ROTC programs, West Point has 100% commissioning. So not everyone in ROTC gets a commission. Some go into the reserve, but West Point and everyone commissions. The last thing I think is if you really want to be involved in military training um, and really get a taste of that before you commission, I think West Point's the better place for that. They have a lot of different summer training opportunities from going and spending time with second lieutenants and first lieutenants in the army to different leadership opportunities with leading groups of cadets um, in military training through the woods and in garrison. So I think there's a lot of different aspects that make West Point really appealing. Well, I think a lot of the things that you just shared really will resonate with our listeners and with their kiddos that are considering that route of a service academy. But as you mentioned, you also explored the ROTC program. What did you find appealing about some of the programs that you looked into with the ROTC? Yeah, so one of the big things is that ROTC differs a lot by each individual school that you would apply to. So I looked at you know, five or six different schools that had ROTC programs. Each one of them had very different commitments based on how many days of the week you would meet, what kind of physical training or PT you would be doing. Um, and so with ROTC, you get to pick and choose a little bit what you're interested in with regards to those programs. ROTC generally offers a little bit more individual freedom too with regards to West Point in comparison to. So generally, ROTC combines the typical college experience that you would get if you wouldn't go military and then throws in a little bit of military training on the side or in addition to, whereas West Point is pretty much like military all the time. So I think if ROTC kind of gives a way to make a military kind of part of your life while you're in college, whereas West Point or a service academy kind of helps you go all the way with that. Well, I think that's a very interesting point that you just brought up that every college has a 
different variation of their ROTC program or their ROTC program. And I think that's something for anybody doing research to take into consideration. And you mentioned that you did see a couple of different variances. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that in terms of what differences you were seeing between the colleges? Sure. So there was one college I was looking at in New York City. I was looking at King's College and some schools are so small or they don't have their own ROTC program. So they partner with a larger school um, in order to kind of facilitate their ROTC program. So one of the bigger advantages of going to a larger school is often that they have the ROTC program in-house. So you don't have to travel to that ROTC program. But the school I was looking at applying to, I would have had to, I think, take the subway. It was like a 45-minute commute to get to where the ROTC program was. And that was one of the big downsides for me was that I would have to two to three times a week commute to this other school to take, you know, a 90 minute ROTC, like a military science class, and then come back to my um, original school. And I know that was the same at the University of Chicago, which I also applied to. I think it was with the University of Illinois that I would have to go to and then come back. So, but if you go to a larger school, generally they'll have that there, but smaller schools, you have to, you have to commute back and forth. Well, I find that really interesting, and it certainly is a testament to doing research when looking past the website, if they offer an ROTC program, and really finding out what those details are. So it sounds like that might have been one of the final factors for you in terms of deciding which path you took. What other final factors helped you to decide that you wanted to pursue West Point? So I think West Point, for me, it was just I wanted to become an officer primarily. And I think West Point prides itself on being the best with that, in my opinion. I knew that I wanted to develop myself over the four years as much as I possibly could. And I think West Point does a really good job of providing leadership opportunities and chances to make yourself into a, not only a better leader, but a better person. Um, and so what I kind of saw is at the end of four years, you know, where did I want to be after going through the college experience and looking at the people coming out of West Point, kind of talking with them, I was kind of like, oh, this is what I want to be at the end of these four years in order to start my military career. I think that's a great question to ask yourself, certainly for students uh, that are looking at either the service academy or, or even a college and not necessarily going down the military path, but where do you see yourself in four years? And speaking of the future, if you could go back to yourself in high school, what do you wish you had known that would have helped you during the application process? So I don't think I really had an understanding out of my sophomore and junior year for just how long um, and complex the application process was, especially for the military academy. So I would probably start a lot earlier, you know, looking through colleges and just kind of getting acquainted with it kind of at the start of my junior year. Because, and West Point offers a timeline on their website if the listeners of this podcast are, are interested in applying. You know, that kind of lays out different milestones and checkpoints on your way to applying. But I know, for example, that the Dahmer physical, which is the medical exam that you're required to take before you get into West Point, typically takes, if there's no complications, it can take six to eight weeks. But often they'll find little things in your past that, you know, and you have to provide paperwork and you have to justify everything. So, for, for example, I broke my arm when I was like 10 and they needed paperwork on that. And so we had to go back and, and find those things. And so that process, especially the Dogmer process, can take far longer than um, a lot of people expect. And so it's really 
important to get started on that early. Well, that does sound very tedious, particularly for military families that, you know, we PCS, we move a lot. I, I mean, going back probably for you, I'm guessing that was at least three duty stations back to where you broke your arm and, and having to track down that medical information. So that, I think that's great advice for everybody to know to plan accordingly. And I like that West Point provides a timeline. I think so many of us benefit from that and, and really can utilize that. And we'll make sure to include that in our show's notes for those interested. And you've talked about doing your research, you know, really looking in at depth, whether it's at the ROTC program or starting early for a service academy. Any final advice that you would recommend for those that are maybe interested in either of these paths? I would just reiterate to kind of sit down and think about where you want to be in four years, I remember I initially at the beginning of the process had a lot of, you know, because there's a, a lot of confusion about where I wanted to go and what I wanted to look at. Because there's there's so many options with ROTC programs, and then you throw the academies on top of that, and it can seem overwhelming. So I, I think it's it really can give a lot of clarity to sit down and say, you know, where do I want to be at the end of this process, the end of college, and then that can help inform some of the decisions that you make while you're applying. You know, I personally chose to go to the military academy for things that I found valuable, but, you know, that's not going to be the same for everyone. So I think just sitting down, assessing your priorities is going to be really helpful for deciding what's best for you. I appreciate you being so candid and sharing this advice. And I noticed that a lot of other families that have been through this journey, such as yourself, that it's really a collaboration, uh, not only for the student, but also involving the parents. And so that's one of the reasons we wanted to have your dad on too. And I'm gonna switch gears and kind of talk to him for a little bit. But I'm curious, as a parent, what were your impressions of the process for these programs? Oh, great. Thanks, Susan. I appreciate you asking the question. You know, I think just for background with your audience, I also attended the United States Military Academy at West Point, but it was about 30 years ago uh, before Tyler went. And so it was really interesting to me how some things have stayed the same, but especially the internet has really changed the application process. Um, so I just wanted to maybe highlight a couple things that Tyler mentioned before, and you also mentioned it before, which is, you know, thinking about where you want to be in, you know, four to five years. And, you know, Tyler and I had a lot of discussions as he was thinking about where he wanted to go to school and where he wanted to be that I think it's really hard for a 16, 17, 18 year old to think about where they want to be in four to five years because their life is going to change so much. And I think, Tyler, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but where you go to college feels like such a high stakes decision that in some ways it's almost, um, unless you're really focused on knowing exactly what you want, it can really be overwhelming. And thinking about the service academies as well as ROTC as great options, especially for those that want to serve, but also could potentially unlock the ability to go to schools that you otherwise wouldn't be able to get into. And that's because, especially on the ROTC side, the ROTC programs, and this is, I believe, now for all three services, it used to be in the past different, like what each ROTC program would cover in terms of tuition. But I know specifically for the Army, they cover 100% of tuition. And so having the ability to have a scholarship really opens the opportunity to go to some schools that would otherwise be really not affordable 
to a lot of students otherwise. And so that was the situation for Tyler uh, with the University of Chicago. And so having both an ROTC scholarship and admission offer to Chicago or going to West Point was this great dilemma that he had where either option would have been a win. And so, you know, then it really came down to understanding what the school would offer, what each school, how the schools were different, the different opportunities, the ROTC versus the service academy. And I think a lot of it goes to trying to figure out the best fit for the student. And so I think that was, to me, the impression I got that going to the school, talking to the ROTC leadership at the school that you would be going to, and then visiting West Point if possible. So Tyler did do the summer leadership experience um, the summer between his junior and senior year. So I would recommend that. And I'd be interested to see if how valuable Tyler felt that was now in retrospect. And, uh, and then we did a, a university visit at several of the schools that he was interested in doing with ROTC. And so trying to find that fit, knowing that ROTC provides you opportunities to maybe go to schools that you're really interested in going to that would otherwise be out of reach. The other thing for ROTC is just knowing that a lot of schools have ROTC programs. If you're not sure, you could go and do ROTC your first year as a student, but not on a scholarship. And then you can like get more information. And a lot of ROTC, this happened to my nephew actually, where he did ROTC his first year and then they offered him a three-year scholarship afterwards. And so, some schools, it depends on the school and depends on you know your grades and test scores, they'll encourage you to come kind of do your freshman year, see if it's a good fit for you, and then potentially offer you a three-year scholarship for the rest of the school year. And so that may be something that um, might be interesting to some folks if they don't want to necessarily commit to a four-year scholarship at the beginning. There are some things at West Point, like when you go to West Point, you don't have to commit to being in the Army you can actually leave anytime up to the beginning of your third year of West Point, basically no strings attached. And so there's a ceremony. It's actually more formalized now where at the beginning of your junior year, they have a ceremony where you reaffirm your oath. And I still remember that when I was a junior where, you know, the after the first lunch on the first day of class or junior year, you know, they welcome the junior class to the profession of arms because at that point you've made a commitment to continue to serve at West Point and, and serve as an officer otherwise. So I think while the college decision can seem like a high stakes decision, I don't think it needs to be considered as high stakes as some people think it is because there's always the opportunity. If you get into it, you find out that you're, it's just not what you thought. You know, there's other ways to adjust from there, but the service academies, especially, you know, you want to go in with the, the best knowledge possible. But I think the biggest thing that surprised me is how much now everything is on the internet. And so you can get a lot more information now than you used to be able to. And then even like when Tyler applied to do the summer leadership experience at, for West Point, it actually started his application for West Point. So Tyler, any comments on the or thoughts on what you learned or gained from doing the summer leadership experience? Yeah, so the SLA or the summer leadership experience, it was it was about one week that I was there. You're at West Point and Garrison for six days, and then you go out into the field for a day. I think the best thing that it equipped me with was just being able to kind of look at people that were at the military academy, being able to talk with them, and just kind of see what their day-to-day 
live score like. You can look at West Point's website and you know kind of see what they put out, but I think there's a lot of value in actually being at the academy and being able to talk to people you know who are living West Point day in and day out. And so I, I think that's the best value. You know, it's also kind of fun. You get to you get to shoot some guns. You you walk around and you know you look at all the campuses. But I think that one-on-one -on -one interaction with West Point cadets um, and people that are you know officers that are also there really is the best value. So I would highly recommend it if you get the chance to do that. There's also a bit of an application process for that, but it, it was extremely valuable for me. Our middle son, William, also did the SLE, and even though he's decided not to pursue a military path with college, he just found the program itself just very valuable in terms of leadership skills, learning collaboration, and it really helped him, I think, to solidify what he wanted to do. So I agree with you, Tyler. I would recommend anyone who's interested possibly in the military, or if you're just looking for a great leadership opportunity, SLE, I think it is an incredible chance to do that. I'm curious, did they have SLE back when you were applying 30 years ago? So they actually did. It wasn't SLE back then. It was this invitational academic workshop. And so it was less focused on leadership, but more just a kind of summer program. But I think Tyler was better prepared to actually go to West Point and for our day, which is the first day of the summer training, because they did kind of like a mini our day as part of SLE. And they try to prepare folks, give them a good kind of experience, not overwhelming, not super stressful, but just give them a good challenge so that they can get an idea of what it's going to be like if they are selected and choose to go to West Point or any of the service academies. I, I think each of the service academies run a similar program. So if it's not West Point that you're interested in, uh, but one of the other ones, um, I would look into those. Other things that I found surprising or challenging. So I knew having gone to West Point, but a lot of people may not know that if you go to a service academy, it's kind of like you have to be selected twice because you have to be accepted to the school and you have to get a congressional nomination. And so that would be something to just be aware of because that can be a challenge. For Tyler, because my home of record is still Texas, um, he was able to apply through a representative and get a nomination through Texas. And so depending upon where your home of record is um, for your parents your, who are service members for their home of record, that is one way to do the nomination. But then also for active duty military and those that are retired, there's a vice presidential nominations that are available as well. There's like a hundred nominations that are available. And so just be aware of that, that there's a whole separate application process through your congressional, either your senators or your representatives, and they've got their own systems. And so that's another um, thing to be aware of. I've heard the the presidential nomination may be a little bit easier in terms of applying for and maybe in terms of competitiveness, uh, just depending on where the active duty service members home of record. Is that what you guys experienced as well? Yeah, so I mean, I think it's it's a good addition to other nominations that you get with, you know, your representatives and senators. Um, I wouldn't rely on it, but it's the application process in comparison to those other ones is so much easier. You know, there's no essay required, and a lot of the other things that the other applications require, the presidential nomination does not require. And so the work required is just so little, it just kind of makes sense to go for it. 
I'm not completely sure how many people can get it, but I would definitely recommend applying for it. Well, I think it's good to know that it's an option, and it seems like the running theme between the two of you is preparation is what equals success, but as much as you can prepare for things, I'm curious, what actually, though, did you find surprising or maybe challenging about the whole process? Well, I'll speak as a parent. I think the medical part also can be challenging because, like Tyler got a kind of provisional nomination and acceptance to West Point. But then there's this little caveat that says pending your medical qualification. And so now all of a sudden it's kind of like, okay, now there's this additional process you have to go through in order to receive this. Now, this is something that's actually in common for the ROTC and for any of the service academy nominations is that you have to go through the Dobmer process, which is the Department of Defense Medical Evaluation Review Board, which is basically them making sure that the applicant is healthy and doesn't have any underlying medical conditions that would prevent them from basically being deployed or doing their job in the military at the end of their training. So they're just making sure that basically people have gone through a medical screening process. What we discovered, that can be a murky process, especially if you're applying from a place where you don't have access to a military treatment facility or, or military physicians. And then a lot of even military medical personnel don't really understand that process as well or what the standards are about would my child be medically qualified or not. And so what we discovered is that there is DOD guidance that actually is what the, the Dobmer looks at. And so it's uh, Department of Defense Instruction 6130.03-Volume 1. And the last time it was changed was April 30th, 2021. And uh, Susan, I can send you a link to that. And what it has in there is a list of all the disqualifying conditions. Now, what a disqualifying condition means is that you need a waiver for it. And so whether or not the military will give a waiver for it is dependent on a bunch of different factors, like how severe it is. And uh, ultimately it's up to the judgment of the Dobmer board that's in Colorado. I think it's important, I think for your listeners to know that there are things that you can go ahead and do beforehand to try to mitigate, you know, having to do a lot of stuff at the last minute with the Dobmer. And so, you know, we went to Tyler's physician with this list and we had them review it. And if there were anything in there that maybe was a disqualification, we went ahead and had them refer to a specialist, have them reevaluate them and get something in his medical record definitively saying like, you know, this broken arm completely resolved. It did not have any hardware, et cetera. It is completely functional, et cetera. And so anything like that you can do beforehand by looking at the DOD guidance, I think uh, would be helpful. I think that's great advice, being proactive, and we'll make sure to get that link added to our show's notes as well. So those that are considering applying to the service academies or other programs could take a look at some of those issues and kind of get ahead of the curve. So as we wrap up, gentlemen, I would love to know if there's anything else, you know, maybe for parents or for students that you think would be important for them to know or to just understand about this entire process? I think the most important part of this entire thing is trying to speak with people that have been both to 
you know, a military academy or ROTC, whichever you're looking at applying to. Because, you know, everyone that's been accepted to these academies has walked through this entire process, gone through all the steps that you have to go to as you apply. And so finding those people, you know, and talking with them, old graduates, as well as people that are in it currently, they're a fantastic resource for navigating this process. Even though it is really complicated, you can get through it with the right resources and the right right guidance. So that, that would probably be the thing that I'd recommend most. Yeah, my recommendation would be to have a system to track all the requirements. I think if you consider that you're doing this when you're also applying to other schools, that you're also, you know, applying for other scholarships, many of which all have their different dates. And so coming up with a system, whether it be a spreadsheet or a calendar or something to help manage all of these kind of cutoffs and dates and requirements so that you don't like wake up one morning and realize that you missed a deadline. That would be my recommendation. And then as much as possible, like try to enjoy the process. I think it's a opportunity to actually collaborate with your teen as parents. Um, I think it's an opportunity when you start thinking about values and, you know, what the family can contribute towards the education and, you know, that it could be one of conflict. Um, and I think just as as a parent, try to see it as we're trying to launch our kids best possible way. And that this is a way where I think our kids really need parents to come alongside in a very understanding and supportive way to help them kind of, you know, look at what their goals are. Hopefully through this process, you actually grow closer with your teen. Although I think Tyler and I had our moments of conflict during it. And, uh, but I think at the same time, you know, looking back on it as a parent, that you know, I wanted Tyler to look back at it as a time that he felt supported and uh, seen, as well as you know, enabled by us as parents as much as we were able to. I think that's such a, a great way to wrap up with that advice because you know, as parents, we're our role is changing as they get older. We're more moving into the coaching role, sort of guiding and coming alongside of them. And so, I think taking that perspective and trying to make this positive process because it certainly can be stressful. Our son William is a senior, and we're in the throes of applications and scholarships, just like you said. And I think that's great advice of creating some sort of tracking system for all those deadlines. And in fact, MSEC does a webinar on the college application process, and we actually have a, a spreadsheet that we share with our listeners. So I'll make sure now that you've shared that, I'll make sure to add that to the show's notes as well. And Tyler, I really like the advice that you shared with everybody. I think it's great, tangible advice, whether it's you're looking at a service academy, university, an ROTC program. I think that I really appreciate what you've had to say today, and I really appreciate you uh, just taking the time to chat with me and for our listeners so that they can utilize this as a resource for whatever path that they decide to pursue. Great. Thanks, Susan. It's been fun. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having us. You've been listening to the MSEC podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition. Until next time, live a great story. Mm -hmm.